Hi, my name is Trudy Rosquay and I am the founder of Vitality 40+. I am not only a master personal trainer specialising in women's and children's physical health, but also a menopause ambassador who is passionate about spreading the word and breaking all those mystical taboos over the M word. I have created a series of podcasts with a variety of guests, not only on women's health issues, but subjects that relate to men's health and well-being also, unlocking all the answers to questions that you may have wanted to ask, but unsure as to where to get the information. Hi, and welcome to another edition of Vitality 40 Plus. Now, today I have a lady called Kathy Horton who is of Blossom Health Coaching. Now, Kathy and I met, now many of you who will have known on various podcasts I've met through LinkedIn, but actually Kathy wasn't a LinkedIn connection. We both write for Menopause Matters, and it is probably one of the, the most known magazines in the UK uh, for really giving a very good evidence-based um, articles on menopause. Um, and I'd read her feature actually quite a while ago. It was one of the first ones that I actually wrote in on the magazine. And I thought, oh, that looks good. And then unknown to me, when we got in touch, um, she was actually doing another one. And this is all about, um, well, weight loss, but more about, uh, I love the word disordered eating, which I think we can look into a bit more. So firstly, welcome, Cathy. Thank you. Thank you, Trudy, for having me here. <laughs> um, so it's been very interesting because over my months of or years of doing this with the menopause women, you come across a lot of, you know, different things that crop up during the menopause. Mm -hmm. um, and for many women, we're talking about sort of um, the psychological issues as well as physical issues. But this issue does, uh, should we say, pull a string to my heart. So first of all, feel free, come and introduce yourself to the listeners. Okay, so um, as you've already said, my my business is Blossom Health Coaching, and what I am is a health coach that chose to specialise in, yes, weight loss, but more importantly, I think, disordered eating and our relationship around food. That's what interests me, really, our relationship, um, the kind of understanding that we have, how we treat our how we treat ourselves, whether we beat ourselves up after eating, do we have an easy, peaceful relationship or not? So that's where I've kind of focused my work. And I work mainly with women between the ages roughly of 40 to 60. So pre, peri, post menopause. And what I see is a lot of women who have a very distressing relationship with food and their bodies as well. Do you find a lot of these ladies have had problems in the past? Some have, pro probably uh, more than half have, yes. There's probably been some issue with food for many decades. And if not directly through um, disordered eating, but at least efforts for weight loss and a conviction that they are perhaps bigger than they think they are, or have this feeling that they should always be trying to lose weight. So therefore, never having that free, easy, comfortable relationship with food, perhaps restricting on some level. OK, um, so let's go back to the facts about menopause or okay. at least I say the facts, but 
well, we do know what's happened. I mean, obviously, as a perimenopausal woman, I could be post now, actually. But, um, but you know, we do know that weight gain is, <laughs> I was going to say imminent, no, is there, isn't it? We know that weight gain is very, very, very much a physical side effect symptom of the menopause. Yeah, I believe about 80% of women put on weight in the menopause. Yes, I would be, I'd be going around on that statistic. I mean, if there's not, I don't think I've ever had not one woman that's come up to me and said, I haven't put on weight. And mm. as we know, and, and, and I am, I am sitting here with no glass halo and glass, you know, polishing my halo at all, because my own journey started because of the weight gain. The belly mm -hmm. weight gain. I mean, I'm I'm an apple. Yeah. I mean, even though I'm five foot seven and I have been very, very fit, as in I ran a gym, so I was a trainer, so I used to do lots of things. So I had my first boxing fight at 45. I was wow. really, yeah, I was really fit, really fit. So um, my weight gain went from like size 10, size 10, size 10, size 14. Are your women tend to be overweight or do they have an assumption that they are overweight or is it the relationship with food generally it's it's all of those so i have some women who were um perhaps been in a bigger body nearly all their lives but then put on more weight in the menopause mm. i have some women who or have seen women who have had have been you know your average size um not had an issue with weight their whole lives and then suddenly they get to the menopause and it's like whoosh all this weight gain happens and it's a real shock to them and they they don't really know what's going on um so i think it's i think it's a bit of a mixed bag really and it particularly affects around the middle. It's it's really hard. It's really harsh, actually, isn't it? It's it's yeah. hard, and it's particularly harsh, I think, for women when they look down at themselves. Yes, and they can see so clearly around the middle. It's really yes. really visible, isn't it? It's not like perhaps looking at your arms or or down your legs. What's around your middle? I'm looking down at my middle. Yeah, it's really really. <laughs> I'm not visible. looking down my middle. I refuse to look down my middle. <laughs> And so, um, and of course, we know why that is, um, because of the weight, the weight gain as the estrogen declines from the ovaries. Ovaries go into semi-retirement, then retirement. So the body's looking for estrogen. So it looks to the fat stores. And unfortunately, the easiest place for um, the estrogen to be stored in the fat cells is around the middle. That's why it happens. That's why when women get past a certain age, the trousers, trousers are tight, no matter what size they are, actually, I think that gain around the middle can still be there. Trousers get tight, floaty tops come in, everything gets uncomfortable because it's difficult because actually in a way we need to say, thank you brain, you're trying to still produce estrogen for us. It's, it's like a safety mechanism. We should be grateful, but in this era, in our world, in our culture where we prize, um, many people would say wrongly, but it still happens all the time, we prize thinness, slimness. So actually, we don't want that weight gain around the middle, despite the fact it's probably helping us in some ways with our estrogen levels. It may not be helping with our overall health because, of course, it's storing fat around the middle, which is visceral fat, not great for the organs at the same time. So you've got a bit of a trade-off going here. It's like estrogen versus your whole body health. I'm going to have to put myself out there again. I tend to do this on a podcast. I tend to bear all and then feel like I'm actually like naked to the listener. 
but um i suppose also when you've been fit or slim and then you you as you say it doesn't really matter does it because at the end of the day what happens is then that's that voice in your head starts yes and again i'll you know peel away the first two layers of my onion and then we'll go and see where we're going with this but of course having worked in the industry and been surrounded by mirrors all the time at a 40 year old you know i became very aware of when my body looked good Mm. And when it doesn't look good. Mm. And I also went through a phase of when people used to say to me, oh, are you still working at the gym? And my inner voice would be shouting, screaming through every pore of my body. Do I look like I'm still working (laughs) at the gym? Right. And then eventually I I coughed this one day to a therapist and they'd be like, they were like, you surely don't think that. I go, no, no, trust me. I do think that. Um, and that was probably 2018, 2019. And I think it's really interesting because I, I, having spoken or having coached women of all ages, to be fair, but now, like you, specialise in that 40 mm-hmm. is that we don't like to think about the inner voice anymore. You know, when we, we talk about, I mean, I talk to 17-year-olds and say, look, girls, you know, I want to tell you something that you don't think that I know. We have a voice that goes inside our head, which, of course, leads to quite severe problems mm. in our 20s. If yeah. we're younger, got younger these days, I mean, probably. But, you know, where we're not good enough. We're not mm. good enough in any anything. We've got the models coming in exactly what you just said, the thinness. But when we come to our age, we kind of like think we've got common sense, don't we? I mean, it's it's kind of difficult. I mean... It's it's very, I really want to hear from you now. If I was to sit, come here and say, you know, I actually think I have a problem with my self-image. I don't think. I know I have a problem with my self-image. Because always in the back of my mind, I, I know the scale. And I know what the scale says. And that is not what I wanted to be. Now, I've got my, I've got my health head on here saying, yes. going to say, well, of course, Trudy, you don't need to worry about the scales, do you? Because uh, nobody says to you, so uh, are you uh, 72 kilos, Trudy? Or uh, are you 65 kilos? Does it matter? But so how, how? I mean, from your end, talk to me about what goes on in the head versus the body. I think for some women, the whole world of dieting and restriction can be bizarrely, almost like... Um, I'm not sure of the self-flagellation you know self-flagellation yes yes yeah so when things are going wrong when things when life is very very stressful um when life is out of control I think going to a place in your head where you feel like you are in control or you want to be in control is a safe place to be i.e. the world of dieting or restriction and even though that may not go well we know that territory. We might have been there 10, 20, 30 times in our lives trying to lose weight, trying to be that person we think we should be, trying to improve our body image, <clears throat> trying to keep that voice happy. And it's almost like putting on a pair of comfy old slippers that um, are pretty worn and not actually really you know, that great, but it's familiar territory. So that voice that may be at that voice in your head that may be about the whole of your life, everything, you know, stress, stress, stress coming out of every pore. Um, you, can, I think some women direct that into the world of trying to lose weight or going back on a diet because that is an area they feel comfortable in. 
Does that make sense? Oh, I think it makes complete sense. I think the word control is mm. um, is a huge one. Um, yeah. Healing off another layer of onion. Um, but <laughs> but again, that's also through my work with with women is that during this time of our lives, there are things that maybe are not in our control. And that can be, you know, kids leaving university. It can be yes. elderly parents. It could be anything. Um, yeah. For me, I decided to give everything in and and, and run a business, uh, uh, you know, go self-employed. So we now back to the financial constraints. So whether there's, you know, whether it's financial, whether it's family, whether it's health, mm-hmm. um, whatever. I know for me, uh, another layer, uh, is that for me, it's control. So if yeah. everything seems to be spiraling around me, mm-hmm. I fall back to what I can control. And what I can control is what I put in my mouth. Yeah. The problem is, of course, is that during the menopause, if you control what's going in, you expect to see some kind of result that looks, yes. you know, proper like. Like yeah. the scales are moving in the southerly direction and um that's i think the next stage isn't it it's like exactly what we were saying it's like then what because yes. we both know that actually losing weight during the menopause is very difficult anyway mm. for a number of reasons some of which we've just talked about so when that doesn't happen then then what happens i mean like with your clients yeah and they get stuck in this cycle of you know, wanting to control what they put in, but the results aren't even happening. It's not like they could do it when they were in their 20s and 30s. Yeah. So that's when the level of distress increases. Um, There may be attempts to try and diet harder, but with with no avail. And incidentally, you know, weight loss isn't just about food. Absolutely not. But most women seem to think it is. And of course, we can't ignore it, but it's not just what you eat it's how you eat when you eat and of course you have to think about stress and movement and sleep and all of that too but let's just focus on food for now um so if you if you feel like you've been um good and i I really (laughs) know i know to have lost weight and it's not happening i mean that is so frustrating it worked in your 20s it's not working in your 40s of course your body has changed and that's why it's not working but yeah that's when the the distressful relationship with food can really start to play out um that's why i think there's something about the the menopause that is um linked or uh, um peculiar about a number of I do like the term disordered eating habits rather than eating disorders because eating disorders is a very narrowly defined category. Disordered eating is much wider. And I use that to to mean anyone who doesn't have that easy relationship with food where where they are distressed by their eating. So let's call it disordered eating. Yes, um, I don't think I've had a client with disordered eating where dieting or restriction didn't happen first. It It is the beginning phase of it. Um, I don't know what the stats are. I don't think anybody knows what the stats no. are, really. But when it's a bit of a little toxic, um, a little bit of a toxic triangle. In fact, I was writing this down earlier because I was thinking, if you if you took three circles, yeah, overlapping yes. circles, like yep. a Venn diagram, yeah, if one of them is menopause symptoms, if one of them is life-like 
stress um, from empty nest syndrome, divorce, um, height of your career or financial concerns. And then the third circle was food and body. Okay, so menopause, life, food and body, three overlapping circles in the middle of those three, I reckon that is a pretty toxic place for disordered eating to begin. What do you suggest to clients who feel that, you know, maybe those inner voices are now, you know, taking over a bit and, and they're just, yeah. what we call the starvation side of it or, or not. Or like what we were talking about, actually, the other time you met was the compulsive eating, which is another yeah. area. And I'm not familiar with that. So perhaps you want to go a little bit about the compulsive eating. Yes. And interestingly, that's what uh, you just referred to menopause matters at the beginning. That's what my next article is on compulsive eating. So. Um, all right. So let me explain what compulsive eating and how that differs to binge eating, which is um, the two are very, very linked together and might be some it's some confusion around those two. So. Compulsive eating, there are actually different definitions out there, and it is not in itself a recognized eating disorder. But as I said before, that I like to call it disordered eating. Compulsive eating is when a person cannot stop eating all day or thinking about food all day. So they are grazing, snacking, nibbling, always planning the next meal, keep going back to the cupboard all the time, can't leave it alone eating a lot when they're not hungry, but it may not be a binge. So binge eating oh, disorder. Okay, okay. So binge eating disorder is a recognized eating disorder and it is the most diagnosed midlife eating disorder. And that is characterized by a person um, and it affects, I think um, I think one in four sufferers are men actually as well, but um, it, it's characterized by eating a large volume of food in one go in a short period of time, a, a binge. Now, one person's binge would differ to another person's binge. We can't weigh this or say by calories at all what that is, but it's basically eating to the point of immense discomfort um, at least once a week for three months. That is the clinical definition of binge eating disorder. Once, Compulsive, a, week, once a week for three once months. Once a week for three months. Yeah, to get a to to be firmly in the binge eating disorder. And you're not category. sick, you're not it's not like anorexia or bulimia. Oh, not anorexia, but bulimia. It's it's just Bulim bulimia has binge eating in it, but then there is the purging. So purging okay. could be vomiting, laxatives, diuretics, or exercise. Excess excessive exercise. Okay, yeah. Then what happens is you people just people just can't keep going like that. The body is starving the body wants food and or there is some emotional event that happens and so the person is stress eating or emotional eating whatever it's a, a bit <laughs> a bit like your onion layers it is multi-layered there are numerous reasons on any one day why a binge might happen um, and those reasons might be what's happened five minutes before what happened the day before what happened 40 years before in their childhood and it all comes together so um basically does that answer your question about the difference between well yes no no it does I'm, I'm sitting here like like tuned in 100 percent. so I, I was talking to somebody the other day who was a client client of mine but in a different in in different way and i said to her you know how are you getting on with the the weight loss and i'm not there to do that side of it she was, i'm doing with teaching her and um she went yeah well you know i don't eat much <laughs> you know yeah I'm, yeah okay and then um 
She said, yeah, but, you know, it's just, I just, I just love chocolate. And I go, okay. So when you say you love chocolate, you know, I'm, I like chocolate, but I love a little bit. And then, you know, no, no. She said, no, 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 I, I can't stop. I can go for days without it. And then I took three bars, like two packets of biscuits. And I'm like, you know, kind of like this shock horror because it's not something I could do. I, I I couldn't do that myself. But now, like what you're saying, it kind of fits in with this with this eating. And mm. you know, you're you're talking about a physical condition as well as you helping them with the psychological side. Do they go hand in hand? Yes. Yes, absolutely. Because so the first thing I would say to anybody who thinks they may have one of these conditions is to please, 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 for now, try to stop thinking about weight loss. Try to stop restricting or dieting in any shape or form and just think about eating well for your body and eat enough mm. at mealtimes. Now, I that's so easy to say. It's I, so know. Difficult to do. I know. If you've been dieting for 40 years, you, you know, it may be that you've lost touch with your real hunger and fullness. You haven't got a clue when you're really hungry. Um, but that is absolutely the first thing to do. And so that's on the practical. Try and feed your body well. Because when we feed our body with the nutrients and nourishment that it needs, our brains work better. When our brains work better, mm -hmm. we can make better decisions about the next meal and the next meal and the next meal. And of course, that's all on. Um, you can flip all, the, all of that over to be a vicious circle on the other, like a downward spiral. Yes, yeah. The worse you eat, the worse you feel, the worse, the harder it is to make a change, actually, um, which is why it has to start with small baby steps, tiny, tiny little changes. But yeah, it, it is. It's, a it's on a practical level. What's the person eating? It's about the mindset as well. What food associations are there? Quite often going back to childhood. Uh, and and so important that black and white thinking all or nothing saint or yes, sinner ancient yeah, devil yeah i'm on a diet i'm off the diet i'm in control i'm out of control welcome the gray let's blur all this up yeah. please try and think about you know it doesn't have to be good or bad so that's the mindset so we've got the practical what about food and lifestyle i guess uh the mindset associations and patterns of thinking and then emotional and emotional I mean perhaps the hardest area to deal with and again going back to trying to make this as relevant to the menopause as possible but so many women going through such a tough time in their menopause being hit every day with all these stresses from every different angle plus they've got all this menopause stuff going on for them they might not be sleeping well they might have these horrible hot sweats they might be really low um, and they might know, they probably know that they shouldn't be eating this or they shouldn't be drinking alcohol, but there might not be anything else in their lives at the moment that bring them emotional comfort. They might be going through divorce. They might be grieving for parents that they've just lost. They might be caring for parents. They might still be trying to raise a family. And I just think, you know, what I see is women who have lost kind of a sense of themselves. They're not getting what they need. And there's a sense of, despair or dissatisfaction about their lives and so they seek comfort in food and that's mm. why I think the menopause and disordered eating is a bigger issue than people perhaps realize and whether that's for the first time in their lives that they're taking comfort in food they're self-medicating through food or alcohol maybe 
or maybe they had a, a toxic relationship when they were a teenager or a young person with food, which never really got kind of sorted out, but they went, you know, they grew up and it kind of seemed to resolve itself. But I see that quite a lot. There was an yes. issue in the past. It goes away, husband, children, everything seems rosy, get to the menopause, times aren't so good anymore, times are tough, stuff is happening, bodies are out of control, food issues come back in again. I would say that actually, I suppose one of the things that I do um, with my, I have a mission where I, I try and get ladies together and um, we'll be launching the menopause body actually in 2023, but it's Ooh. about understanding um what's going on and in fact it'll be great because we we'll, should be working together on that um, <laughs> to help for the psychological perspective because you know I can say well okay this is how you should eat this is you know why are the reasons when you should eat and what you what you should be eating but the psychological side is exactly what we're saying now is that you've got to combat that but once you've comp once you start to make those changes however small physically yes. as you say it does have a knock-on effect because if you suddenly yeah. feel actually I'm fuller in the day and do you know mm. honestly I this is I, I you know I think I'm fairly educated in this in this area but I've also been doing a bit of research and a bit of practical stuff for me because I wasn't losing weight and I was like well I want to lose weight even though my inner voice was going well yeah you because you need to lose weight because your scales aren't moving you know but so here I am you know sitting there saying that but actually, the old adage of eating more um, mm. actually kind of worked. And I, but, but, you know, we know that protein is yeah. a huge key yes. in this food. And I, I cannot express how important, and even, as I say, even for somebody who knows this, but actually last week switched everything up. So I switched it that I literally put the protein in first and a bit more than what I would normally eat, which in my head was actually more calories, wasn't it? Because obviously you want to keep the calories down, but you don't. This is the difference. This is by getting these mental things in your head. And then by dinner time, I'm actually thinking, God, I'm not that hungry, actually. I've not yeah. snacked, which is the whole thing. That's not snacked. Um, and how many women I know that say at three o'clock, four o'clock, I need a, a sugar hit. And then I go, mm -hmm. so how, I have, I've had a, you know, some cereals for breakfast and I had a sandwich for lunch. Yes. yes. You know, and I'm like, oh, well, let me tell you why. Sugar levels. <laughs> yeah. Let me tell you why. You want your chocolate binge. Um, but I mean, it's, you know, easier said than done, I know. But it's been very interesting to have that conversation. And I have also found that people that have had eating disorders, as you say, in the past. And yeah. I suppose that came about from reading your article. The first article I read um, in Menopause Matters, um, which you did was about that. And I actually did crib some content from there and was like, you know what? This is absolutely right. This is quite imperative, especially when speaking to younger people about educating them about the menopause. Because yes. one of the things I say is, you know, look, you might not even think this is even part of your educational remit right now. But let's talk about food. And if anybody says to me, you know, I had a, I was interviewed for a magazine um, for October and they said to me, what would you say to your 21 year old self? And that was quite an interesting one because it would be like, look, let's just start, you know, I've got a 21 year old son and I'm going, look, you know, you go to the gym every day and then you want to eat crap. And like, you know, we're not, I know we're talking menopause, but it's exactly the same thing, isn't it? Get your education, get your steps in early 
about educating yeah. yourself about the right food and when to eat. And I mean, if somebody is listening to this and they want to have some help and get some help, how can mm -hmm. they get, I mean, do you do Zoom? Do you do online? I mean, obviously we're going out to hopefully many territories and we, people are listening to this actually on Spotify and Google. So how do, can they get hold of you? So my website is blossomhealthcoaching.co.uk. <laughs> Blossom Health Coaching it would help if I could actually say my website's own name, wouldn't it? Um, sorry, menopause brain. <laughs> yes, we're okay. That's about three times today we've done that, but it's thanks to me really than you. So I've got a website. I am not all over social media, believe mm -hmm. it or not, I, because I don't like it. I don't think it's right for us to all be on it all the time. Um, and so I restrict myself there because that is what sits comfortably with me. I You can find me on Facebook and that's it. Okay. Unless you include um, LinkedIn. I'm on LinkedIn. I don't know whether you call that social media, but I'm yeah. at Blossom Health Coaching on Facebook and you can find me on LinkedIn as well. Just look for my name and I'll be there. Uh, you know, that's brilliant. I mean, it's been really fascinating to go into this now and, and just, you know, taking away those demonic voices. So I'm going to ask you now, because I didn't even warn you about this. Um, three <laughs> tips for the listener to take away about that inner voice or weight gain or whatever you would like to give to help somebody. Okay. Uh, tip number one, try to start to think about your body, not in terms so much of what it looks like, but what it does for you. Think of the function of your body and be grateful for whatever body you are in. Number two, well, I think I have to go back to what we just said, actually, eat enough, eat enough of the, of the better stuff, the more helpful stuff, if you can. Um, allow yourself give permission to to do that and notice the changes um, number three I think I suppose thinking about the menopause and disordered eating I think number three would have to be something around the emotions so if you have if you have a distressful relationship with food as you're going through the menopause Perhaps try to think about what is missing from your life. What do you want and what do you need? And um, write it down, take a look at it and maybe try and take one step towards achieving one of those things to try and improve that feeling of something's missing. It's an empty life or I'm being taken for granted, whatever it is, um, so that it feels positive and you have a clear idea of you know what's really going on here that might be quite difficult to do and i don't know if you found this truly but women don't often get asked what what would you like and what do you need so um that i think is is a good place to start as well and that will help tap into what emotions are going on here and um, driving the unhelpful relationship with food you're absolutely right when does somebody say to you do you want what do you yeah. want out of life how do you feel yeah there's that moment isn't it when you have to go <laughs> gosh am i not putting somebody else first like the dog yeah. i said that the other day i i said even this lady in pilates she went well, i can't go to Pilates. i've got the dog i and i'm like the dog so if you've got two kids oh yeah but they can't go back to look after the dog and i'm like the dog you know this is what we do isn't it this is how women whether it's yeah. partners, whether it's kids or the dog, it's yeah. 
like we don't really matter sometimes we have to really yeah. and it is the time to say do you know what we don't it does matter we matter it does. it does we matter and we need to look after ourselves i just had one thought and this is actually two friends one a very close friend um and it, it doesn't sort of fit in the binge or the compulsive but has mm. really felt her relationship with food has changed the point that she said she doesn't actually want to eat anymore okay now she said that it tastes differently um all the food she liked we were talking about seafood actually we were talking about seafood and she said no all the foods i like just repulse me and i don't they don't taste right i just don't want to eat now, I thought, hmm, psychological. And then she was going on about the food. And she said, actually, and, and I've been with her when like a pizza or something's come out and she's gone, she went, I can't eat that. I can't eat that. Just can't eat it. Do you think that's a more of a psychological issue? Um, or is that another physical? I mean, I don't know. That's that's a tough one, Trudy. I think I probably need to know. Sorry, it's a bit of a yeah. cop out, but need to yeah. know a bit more about that. Whether it is, I mean, its roots could be something. Has she lost her sense of taste? Has she a, a post-COVID thing, um, or is there there's some association? Has she had some big emotional turmoil in her life that somehow has got associated in her mind to food? I I don't know. Yeah, I, don't know. I mean, but she needs to yeah. get help because she must be losing a lot of weight. So um, yes, uh, yes. Um, and I've been aware of that. And I, it's interesting because I think that's and, and somebody else had said to me about how unimportant food was in their life. So going the other way, the other extreme. And I was a bit like, whoa, this is this is a bit unusual during the menopause as most of my mm -hmm. women are like putting on weight. So um, but again, it, I do think a lot of it, as you say, it, it is emotional in some form, which mm. then maybe prevails itself into a physical or, or maybe it's that mental physical thing, the very fine line of what's what's right. Um, well, look, thank you so much, Kathy. Um, I really You're appreciate so your time. It's been a great talking to you and I look forward to working you. with you on the menopause yes. body. Yes, yes fantastic. Watch this space. <laughs> Keep on listening, folks. More to come. Thank you. Bye. Bye. For more information on the topic that you've just listened to, please visit my website www.vitality40plus.com. Thanks for listening.